Welcome to Challenging the Status Quo podcast, season two, brought to you by Digital Savages, with your host, Amir Sabirovich. On the previous episode of Challenging the Status Quo, our guest and challenger was Ron Imink, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, writer, author, and public speaker at Ron Imink. And here's a short part of our conversation. You can go and fuck off because we have a mortgage to pay. Uh, there's absolutely no way we're going down the road of starting your own uh, uh, business. And the other thing is a friend of mine went the whole, he went from uh, starting his company to fundraising, to scaling, to building a global company and then selling it. And he, uh, we were in the taxi, we, we were, were out for the, for the night and in the taxi he said, you know what, on hindsight, it cost me my health because he literally was starting to uh, walk with, a, with, a, with a, his, his back was completely because of the stress. He had issues with his kids, he had issues in his relationship, you know, he was... Ron has always followed his heart and it guided him to fantastic places. The future is not linear and entrepreneurship is about predicting the future. Realize it's not so much about what you have, but how much you need. Distracting yourself from societal greed. And don't worry too much, because in the end, everything works out. There is always much more going on in your head than present in reality. Did you enjoy our interview with Ron? Well, now we can tune into the story of our following guest. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Challenging the Status Quo. Today, our guest and challenger is Anna Marcia Oud. She is a behavioral expert, trainer, advisor, guest speaker, and chairperson, instructor, nonverbal communication, and owner of the behavior company. And let's hear her story. Welcome, Acha. Awesome to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. And let's, let's, I give you permission to call me Anne because it's such a tongue twister. So just call me Anne, that will be fine. Okay, Anne, uh, from, from now on. <laughs> from now on. <laughs> great, I'm Anne. To have, great to have you on the show. And of course, you expect this question and you have listened to the podcast. So can you tell us your journey and what your background is and how you got where you are right now? Yes, I will. But thank you so much for inviting me. I really love your podcast. So many different people, so many different stories. And I'm honored to share mine. Um, so I, it's always like, where, where are you now? And, and also what is ahead? You know, that's the, that's the journey. That's a question. And my background is I studied dramatic expressions through verbal and physical behavior. In, at the Academy of Arts. And what was really interesting, that's all focused on art and performing. But in my last year, um, I was asked to give a workshop about stage presence um, for bank directors. So they, they, it was all about numbers and they were very focused on well, how can we say this is the financial word, a world and less focused on their own behavior. So at that point, I was allowed to share knowledge about nonverbal communication and stage presence. And it was I was so astounded that they didn't know anything about this and they were asking questions all the time. And then what happened is something connect, clicked with me. This is my journey. I don't want to be in the world of performing arts. I don't want to be a director because, you know, that that is fantastic. But I felt that my challenge was to go to the uh, business world, so to say, and to help people to perform better in all its 
journey and all the, the multiple things you can do with that. And that's what I focused on. So I studied other things on the side. I went to thousands of books, so to say, and uh, also uh, talked to a lot of people. And I would say I'm still learning. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my background in short. Given your background and the switch that you have made, what is your personal definition of success? And can you describe the feeling behind it? Well, the the personal definition of success, I think I'm I'm struggling with that because when you you talk about success, um, what you feel can be very different. So sometimes I feel very successful just helping one person with a tiny little thing. And sometimes I feel very successful if I have this seminar that I present, you know, with 300 international guests. That also feels like success. But for me, it's very important that I feel that I contribute to something, that that something happens um, in my journey and I hope also in the journey and life of others. So if I can just nudge somebody a little bit, you know, when, when I make them aware of their behavior or when they ask questions, they have a difficult situation and they say, well, what can I do? And I can actually help them with that. And then afterwards they say, oh, this was helpful. This was actually what I needed. That feels like success. And how that feels is rewarding. And yeah, you, you can't see my smile, but that's how it feels. It, it's very, very rewarding to see people grow, um, but that you're allowed to be to be part of their journey and to help them with that journey. Yeah, and uh, it's it's paying it forward, as if, if you may. It's not like you're looking at the financial situation or that you're gaining, but actually the fact that you're helping somebody grow, that is the satisfaction that you get from it. Yes, definitely. And it doesn't mean because some people say, oh, I don't have to be paid for my job. Well, that isn't That is a factor, of course. And I'm very fortunate that I get paid for what I do, but it's so amazing to do this. Uh, so that, that the, it's a different factor and you see it in companies as well. I, I coach people or I help people one-on-one -on -one in very high, high end companies. They, you know, they, they earn a lot and lot of money and they, you might consider that they are successful, but when you talk about their journey and how they feel and how they have developed themselves in their life they sometimes they really come to the conclusion this is not what I want this is not the behavior that I want to show towards my team this is not the behavior I want to show towards myself so then officially you could say yes that's successful but I don't I don't rate that as successful but that's the condition definition of success which was implemented by society what is success so this yes. is also why I find it very important I believe success evolves uh, like throughout your life, you, you, you change some things, how you measure success, but it doesn't have to be uh, quantified in money or a position. I think it's the yes. feeling behind it, which is much more important than uh, how the world look at you. It's more important how yes. you look at yourself. Exactly. And I think luckily it is changing in the world now. I think in the old, in the old days, um, it was much more like how much money do you make? What's your, what's your, your status so to say how you know where do you live and i think there's much more awareness in society that that's not success and if, and we don't we don't of course you need money to to survive or to 
But it's it's a less of an important thing, I think, more and more with people taking in mind that, of course, this awful pandemic has done very yeah horrendous things um, uh, with the economy and mostly, of course, with people's health. Um, and then you also define success in a in a different way, I guess. Being healthy. It's a funny thing that we need a yeah. we need a crisis to start behaving human. Well, I hope we were already behave, uh, behaving in a human way, um, but I think the crisis is more and more is making us aware of things. So yeah, but it's it's. It's really con- con- it's confrontational for a lot of people. Like, what what does this crisis do for me personally, uh, but also globally, of course. Yeah, it's a different way of looking at the world. Coming a bit depressive now. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's only positive. So, uh, when I have the strategic sessions that then um, we're talking about strategy, I take now three components into the discussion. One is the technological impact of the society. The, hmm. the other is what are the global trends, right? But third one is the human trends. Yes. And human trend is much more um, that uh, giving the current situation, people have paused and mm-hmm. they have started to think about what am I doing with my life? Exactly. Uh, where am I spending my time on? This does not fulfill me. So fulfillment and some kind of spiritual elevation, I think that is something that will be much more um, elevated within the current society than it's present today. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. For me, it's all about self-reflection. You see so many people, and, and I'm more of the literally day-to-day work where people are realizing that they're not effective, you know, those kind of things. So, but finding it out, finding out what why you're not effective means you have to self-reflect. So it means you have to pause in a way. And that is that has happened now. So a lot of people did pause or are obligated to pause and look at literally what what is my job is this what i want to do um if they're looking still lucky to have this job of course uh, but yeah self-awareness self-reflection those kind of things I, I think the pandemic helped with that for a lot of people and where do you stand i, I my belief is that this has been explained 2000 years ago uh, when the ancient philosophers and stoics were born right do you think that we forgot too much about them and now we're kind of going back to that ancient philosophy, ancient knowledge, like, you know, uh, be happy with yourself and then uh, don't take any opinion for granted. All these quotes that are flying around nowadays from Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius um, uh, and other uh, Zeno, other philosophers. Have we forgotten too much about them? Self-reflection is something that is embedded into Stoicism, right? Yes, Maybe we, we didn't forget it, but we maybe we didn't take the time to do something with it. Because when you talk to people, they they kind of know. They they usually say, like, oh, I should do this, or oh, what if and they have these dreams about what they initially thought of in life? So I don't I don't know if they forget or if we've forgotten all about this, but maybe we forgot how to act upon it. So literally the the behavior again, uh, like what to do when you uh, when, when you have certain feelings or certain thoughts, 
So I, 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 I think we still think about it, but um, maybe now more and more we realize that then you should also act upon it. We lack execution. Yes, yes. That would be a very good summary. We lack execution. <laughs> Yeah, but it's hard for people to do that. It's scary because they, you know, you go to, as you you speak to all these people on your podcast and everybody has a journey, but before you know it, you're on a path, you're on this journey and you really have to be aware, like, is, is this what I want to do? And then I don't mean just uh, the, the job you've chosen, but literally like, is this who I want to be? Is this the person that I am? Is this how I want to spend my time? But that means you have to be aware and you have to um, self-reflect. And if you don't take the time to do that, then it's then it's harder. So, yeah, I have I have a very rigid opinion about this. That's actually it's not the fault of a person themselves, but the society designs like like this. Right. You're from elementary school. You're you're getting the thoughts of. You have to listen to uh, the professor, uh, what he has to his view on the world. And that's kind of representing how it is in a business, right? You have a director and he has something to say, and then you go execute. And then when you're moving through life, you get models from the university. And these are the models. There is no room for others. This, these are the models, how you should think or assess situations. And when you start working, you get this, okay, I should get a house, I should get married, I should get a dog or a cat, uh, I should, uh, you know, it's a nine to five mentality and everybody's cheering when they go, go and retire. Uh, while the life has passed, right? You don't know how many years you have left after you retire. So, so what, what is your view on that? If, it, if it's rigid? Or, or no, no, no. Just what's your? This is my view that I've just shared this is with your you. View. Yes, I, I understand what you mean by that. And again, I think that when we look at society, this is so broad. When you say society or education, because every country, every culture, I see this when I when I work in different countries. It is everybody has their own view, and it's not that this is the way people present education or this is the journey. But we do see that um, you have to be alert not to step into the majority system of not thinking and just doing and before you know it, you have this uh, cat and dog that you didn't even want to, so to say. But I think more and more it's not like that because we have more choices individually than we've ever had before. We are more aware of what's happening globally. Um, and I, I think I'm a bit more positive that people challenge themselves more and more because they, they realize it's not just one journey or one path. So you could say that society plays a role in it, but I think that also with education systems, you see that's much more room for individuality. People can have mentor sessions. Um, so I, I think I'm a bit more positive than you are on the, the outlook of society and the choices people can make. But they have, again, yeah, it's always the same. They have to be alert and aware because it might be that if, if they don't challenge what's happening, um, then you might be, it might make choices that you 
later on thought, mm, is this the choice I wanted to make? Now, this is what, what I just explained to you is my reflection on yeah. what part of the society I don't want. I don't, I don't want to be a zombie. I want to do what I love to do and uh, enjoy every day. Um, and not celebrate Fridays. Yes. I don't need a weekend. That's the mode that I'm in. And I would desire yeah. for everybody to have that mode, but that's not just not the reality. Um, so that's the stretch. It's like celebrate life every day. But do you think people are, are not doing that? I mean, they might say it like, oh, it's Friday. Yay, we have a day off. But I also see them enjoying their Thursday afternoon or Monday morning. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's always personal. It's always individual as, as the definition of success is. But um, I have uh, enjoyed conversation from multiple levels. Of course, we have societal levels from car mechanics to teachers to et cetera, et cetera. And few actually have the passion for what they're doing. Uh, because when you start talking about, okay, what are you doing? What your job and it's not to measure but just to really have genuine interest is what they're doing they just say it's just a job and i'll calculate the number of hours that you spent on just a job <laughs> it's half of your life so if you're not enjoying it uh it's kind of yeah looks bad for you i would say yeah. if you're really yeah. that nine to five person that celebrates when you go home and close the door of the office of course we're not all able to do so that's that's just not how the world works i think you can achieve everything you want but nevertheless you have to take time reflect develop yourself and choose your own road path um, so i'm definitely on that but I think there is still a very big split. I think people in higher position have more power and financial power also to enable this kind of living, like self-perfection and going through the path they actually want to do, than people in middle or lower classes. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I had a very, very interesting discussion once with somebody who said it's just a job. Um, and for me, it was a bit sad because I, I love my job and I'm, well, I work too many hours, all those kind of things. But what, what he said is the best part, he said, I don't have to worry when I'm done with my job. You know, it's, it's over. It's yeah. I, I, I close the door and I'm done for the evening and I don't have to think about it anymore. And it was such a, it was, it was a very mind, mind-changing moment for me so to say that I'm like yeah actually he's right he's not worrying at all then I said but don't you don't you want to do more don't you don't you want to reflect and he was like no I'm happy yeah and I accept that status quo that's okay uh, it's 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 not for everybody and that brings me to to uh the the biggest question in the center of this uh, interview actually what do you do to challenge the status quo as much as possible <laughs> <laughs> um no that's not true so here's the thing when I started my company I uh, it, of course, it was in Dutch because I'm, I'm based in Amsterdam and first my clients were all in, um, was in, in the Netherlands. And the tagline was, this might be a bit controversial, but when you literally translate it, it is, we kick you up the, you know, butt, so to say. Um, and everybody around me said, you can't use that as a tagline. That is way too intense and you will... You will not get clients if you use that. It's 
Well, long story short, um, I listened to a lot of people. I always try to learn from it, but there was nobody who said you should use that line. And still I've chosen uh, to use that line. And for me, it was essential to show others uh, that if you want to challenge, you know, the status quo and, and, and things around you, you should also really sometimes do what you think is necessary. And also for me, that line meant something more than just the line because it had to do with nudging people. Like if you want to change something and behavior is very difficult to change, you have to nudge people, but sometimes a bit more, well, I wouldn't say forceful because that's not the word, but if you are very mellow and it's all okay, that doesn't work. So this is the funny thing is we changed the tagline at one point because I thought, oh, maybe it's not necessary in the tagline to do that, but it's necessary, you know, to show in your behavior. And one of the things that is very important for me is the equality that I take along in projects. So I don't mind if it's a CEO or, or anybody else at the table, I will reflect upon their behavior. And it happens that, that during a session, so I give somebody feedback or I help them with their challenge and then people come back, oh, but you said that to the CEO. Oh no, how can you say those kind of things? When the CEO came to me, oh, thank you so much. That was so helpful. So, you know, not not going into these, um, well, how can we say this, in, in the vision that everybody has and that everybody says, oh, you can or cannot do this. I think it's very important to take context into consideration and you always have to be alert and be aware, but don't be too afraid to, well, challenge the status quo. So you don't want frame behavior. You want behavior it should be. So giving rigid feedback or actually the brutal, brute feedback, I would say. That's not something that they say uh, everybody wants the truth and then they call you an a-hole. Uh, once once you're finished with selling the truth, it's, uh, you know, being being able to handle the truth. That's another thing. And maybe because people are afraid of the reaction that actually they don't tell what they really want to, want to say, but they stay within that frame of comfort and status quo. Yeah. And then it's not helpful at all because they're so, they, they say something maybe, but then it's very vague and they don't get across what they actually want to say. And then the feedback or, well, not just feedback. It's also what is happening in a team or, or why didn't they meet the objectives they had, then they don't say what they don't fully say what they want to say. And then it becomes diffuse. And then the manager doesn't know what to do or the, or the client is confused. So it doesn't have to be brutal. I think it should be effective and helpful and, and constructive, all those kind of things, but it doesn't help to sugarcoat it by not saying anything or saying like half of it. So I always try to challenge others when they say, oh, I thought this during the meeting or my manager doesn't do this, this, this. And then I tell them, did you, did you, did you speak up? Did you tell your manager what you need? And when they say no, it's very confusing because that poor manager doesn't know what's going on, but they still uh, judge him or her 
on the fact that the manager doesn't take action. So for me, that is very confusing in a way. And I always say, but why didn't you tell them? And if they, they have reasons, sometimes they're afraid or it wasn't the moment or they don't know how to speak up. Well, then you help them to, for instance, how do you speak up in a meeting? So I help them with the behavior, how they can grab the attention or how how can they articulate themselves during a meeting? And then slowly it starts to change. Do you think that we actually are more opinionating than asking question if we don't understand something or have an opinion on it? Depends on the culture, I would say. <laughs> I think, I think the, the, yes, yes. Um, and, and yes and no. So I think everybody's opinion myself included um, you see that some cultures really have this fantastic behavior of asking questions and to find out more before they judge anything before they say anything uh, but in essence I think when you realize what's happening to yourself so you're in a situation it doesn't matter which situation you realize what's happening um, you feel it in your body you show it in your nonverbal communication So there is opinion there already, so to say. It, it happens very quickly, you know, you cannot hide it. Uh, we say that the, the body shows what the mind uh, thinks or what the mind believes or says. Um, so, so it's much, much quicker than people think. And then it's, it's a very helpful, I, it's, a, it's very helpful to verbalize it in a way that other people understand what you're thinking or what your opinion is and not to be opinionated like, oh, this is what should happen or that is what should happen. Because again, then you will put people off because you're so, well, maybe even aggressive or so opinionated that they don't listen to you. But I think everybody, when something happens, yeah, it, it, it has this effect on you. I, I agree with you totally. And I think that actually our perspective or perception of the item or subject and our emotional state are closely tied to so if you're total negative for what reason ever or you're always negative then i can bring you the best news in the world and you will find a way to pour your negative perception on it and it will be the worst thing ever or other way around somebody can bring the worst news in the world but if you're over enthusiastic and positive you will be able to shift that into positive way of thinking Uh, so uh, I, there, there is a, a gray area there. Um, and I think asking question is the best way to relieve yourself of any kind of, um, let's say, guarded opinion before you really understand the matter. Yes. To in investigate the story behind what the other person said, even if they are, for instance, if they're very negative, And I'm always curious, especially in teams, you know, when people working together, they say, oh, that person is always very negative. And, and you could judge that behavior, but much more interesting is why would this person do this? And then I don't mean like therapy, what's the reason behind that behavior, like his whole, whole background, but more why is that person doing this in this team at this moment? Why is he or she always the negative or that person always uh, so negative? Uh, and when you ask those kind of questions, well, this is very interesting when I work with teams. So somebody says, yeah, but the negative points will not be vocalized if 
that person doesn't say it. And then it becomes interesting. Oh, oh, so no, so you're all very positive and that person is negative. So what if you guys become a bit more critical and negative and what would that effect be? And you see when then again, then when they change the behavior, that person starts to become a bit more positive. It's very <laughs> intriguing to see the effect on the change in behavior, but you have to know why that person is doing it. So asking questions, as you said, is very, very important. Hey, and and um, did you have in your career your biggest failure or biggest <laughs> learning moment? What what is there? Where did you bump yes. your head against? Yeah, well, if you when you say failure, it's like no. Um, well, the funny thing is, how do you define things? And and I don't I don't believe in failure in a way, but there are there are important moments where I thought, mm, okay, this is interesting, and and I and I thought. I want I wanted to share a story with you because it had to do with my um well actually challenging the status quo afterwards. So that I was I was 21. I started uh, working uh, in this business so to say. And I was very fortunate to present an international uh, seminar, chess tournament actually. And it, I, of course, I was very nervous, international guests, really fantastic. And um, I, I needed to present it and open the whole tournament, so to say. Prepared it with a speech, you know, you memorize it. And it was also a welcome for the mayor who after I've, I would have you know, welcomed everybody, he would get up to the stage and say everything. So long story short, I prepared and five minutes beforehand, well, let, maybe it was 10 minutes beforehand, somebody looked at the presentation that I prepared because I still wrote it down in those days. And that person said, that's not the right name of the mayor. You have to add this word. So in Dutch, it's, uh, so you have von, van. So you can say, this is Janssen, or you can say von Janssen. So I will not say the mayor's name, but that person said I needed to add a, a word. Um, I did. So I presented this whole thing that I rehearsed with a different name that I rehearsed because I listened to that person 10 minutes before I went on stage. The horror, because non-verbally, I saw a lot of things happening during that, that welcome moment, but I didn't know what it was. And I came off stage and somebody said, you use the wrong name. And I, I, I remember this so vividly. I, you know, the floor opened up in my mind. I'm like, no, what did I do? This is my biggest failure ever. Um, the funny part was it was the best learning moment ever because after that, I thought you have rehearsed this, you prepared this. You shouldn't listen to somebody 10 minutes up front that it's not the right name, that, you know, you can trust yourself in your preparation. But, you know, I was very young at that time. So how, what, what I took from that is always, yes, you should listen to people because you can get a lot of information. You will learn from them, but make sure that you also know what you know and stick with that. Fact check. Fact check. And I did the fact check. So I still don't know why that was, the person was very good at influencing me at that moment. That's not the right name. Yeah, fact check. Fact check. <laughs> yeah, but you also get trusting yourself. Afterwards? I think. 
with the, with the mayor or that person? Yeah, no, that person that corrected you. No, no, and that was even weird because that person was was you know no, I, I didn't even met that person afterwards. It's also like who says it to you? Of course, in this case, I it was you could say a random person. If it's somebody from from that organization and, and knows everything about it. But literally it was somebody who just saw it. What inspires you, Anne? Life. And well, that's a very broad question. To be honest, a lot inspires me. Um, I, I, for instance, this is very inspirational. I really like our talk. It, you know, it's different maybe than we thought it would be. There's this, all these kind of different um, things we talk about. People inspire me. It's, it, so many things, even food can inspire me or art or music or those kind of things. It's, it's, but you have to be open. Then you answered it correctly from life inspires you because all of those that you just described actually fit in, uh, fit in life uh, per perspective, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all Enjoying there. Enjoying life. Enjoying life. Yes. But to be honest, um, also when you're not in, and this, this, this was difficult and it's also a journey for me. Like if, if you're even if it's not enjoying life, you can still be inspired by it. So even in the moments where I feel challenged or, for instance, in this, these days, I don't think it's always, in, it's not always very, in, it's not always that I'm enjoying myself, but still then I'm inspired like, oh, what's happening and why are people affected by this so much um, also in their mind and what's happening with the brain and, you know, so even when you're not enjoying life, I'm still inspired by the fact that at that moment, I might not enjoy it. Always finding the right source to be happy. Is that, is that for you the case? You're, yeah, you always... No, I'm just reflecting what you just said. Uh, I actually, I can always... So I'm always reflecting on the things that are external factors and internal factors. So I do mm -hmm. everything that is within my power to actually enjoy every yes. moment that I go through. And external factors, I can worry about them. I can break my head about it, but that's not going to change. So for me, the approach is to uh, uh, abolish everything that I cannot influence that is out of my power and only to do what I can do to enjoy life. That's yeah. my approach towards it. Yeah, definitely enjoy life. Well, I picked up on the word, did you say happy, like always being happy? I'm, I don't think that is possible. Um, no, I agree with I you. Don't, okay. And and this is the thing. I, I think that's even if you're talking about failure, when you're always aiming for, oh, I want to be happy, I want to be happy, then that would feel to me as a failure because then you're not human. Uh, and it's, it's interesting to feel all the different emotions. Um, seize life? Yes, fully agree with that. But that also means the... Well, maybe emotions that aren't always nice. Yeah, so and this is I, I think, and this is also why I mentioned uh, stoicism is actually analyzing the situation you're in and keeping your cool or calmness, whatever comes across, and accept it as a part of the life. Accept yeah. the fact that you're going to die at a certain point. Uh, accept that things are not always as you see them. It's really yeah. try to understand and this is why I ask asking questions. Um, and I don't think happiness is an illusion. It's not going to happen. It's more about how you handle things that are thrown at you, positive and negative, 
and how you cope with them um, and enjoying that process, that learning process. Yeah. Sometimes yes, you exactly. get challenged with, you get challenged with things that you definitely didn't see coming. But if you actually take the joy in process of, you know, putting them um, or, or um, fighting them head on, not like moving them to the side and saying, well, that will, that, I will deal with that later. No, like immediately. Yeah, then don't deal with them. Yeah. 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 Then you enjoy it because you resolve something. Uh, and uh, if you put too much things off that are negative and just try to, I want to be happy. Well, that's unachievable. Yeah, it feels, yeah. And it feels even fake. And at one point, um, for me, it's it's sad for people if they think, oh, I have to be happy. I have to be happy all the time. Let me say that I'm a very happy person. So, but it's like you said, it, it, for me, it's the inspiration in that journey and that path. And to see like, okay, if you if you have these moments, what can I do with it? If you analyze it and you see, oh, this is probably why that I feel that way. Or, oh, maybe if I can change that a bit, I would feel more happy. Yes, that's a good one, but not as a goal itself, because that actually, I see this in my business. It worries a lot of people when they are not happy, like, oh, I should be happy or something is wrong. Um, and, and, and uh, yeah, it's, you have to look at yourself as a human being and not as a robot as you should. And, yeah, yeah, and I think that um, uh, happiness is always tied with material goods. That's when I get a better job and earn this salary, then I will be happy. If I achieve this, then I will be happy. And then you get stuck and you reach that and you say, I'm not happy. So I have to do more. And, and that's yeah. a never ending, it's an infinite game. You will always yes. be chasing the moon, <laughs> never being able to and get never there. Be happy. Yeah. And it's, it's, and I mean, of course, we speak from a luxury because there are a lot of people who, who, really struggling to to have a job to get money to actually go you know how do they get food on the table if you are at that level when you think about maslow uh, you know you, you really need you need you need basics if you don't have the basics that will worry you and then of course you will strive to earn more money or to have a better secure security environment for your family or those kind of things but in essence, in, you know, where we work um, in the Western world, I think you could say that we are much more allowed to to look at other things and just. Yeah, money. we're at the top of the Maslow pyramid. We we're yeah. we're a bit spoiled, uh, so yes. we can yes. actually yes. start thinking about self elevation and spirituality and all that stuff. I, I definitely, if you don't have a place to sleep, you don't have a shelter, and you have nothing yes. to eat, then everything that we are discussing right now is yeah. not even within your reach. Yeah, exactly. Is there a leg? that you want to leave to the world oh that's such a oh it's an ego question Amir yeah of course you're a behavior scientist so (laughs) yeah yes actually that 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 would be I um for for me I love to share knowledge but mostly I love to share the idea of action and that people should go for what they want but say stuff, do stuff, go for it, you know, those kind of things. And if I can do that with one-on-one sessions, it would be great. If I can do this in a, in a big session, like I'm doing soon, that would be great. And 
I'm working on a book, so it would be fantastic if that would be finished one day. But in essence, I thought about this, that, you know, when you, this is a bit morbid, but when you die, um, I hope that people say, oh, she, when I, when I had a conversation with her or, or when I read something of her articles or those kind of things, I hope they say something doesn't even, you know, something stuck with me and, and hopefully it's more self-awareness or, well, the action that they, that they think, oh yeah, maybe I should do something. Today I had a conversation with a client and he said, you know what, I think I'm going to step out of my shadow because and I'm like, wow, that to me, if you talk about success, that feels successful. And I hope that that is the legacy that people might pick up on. Yeah, you, you said it's an ego question, but actually your 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 legacy is quite unselfish. I would say it's actually that you moved somebody to change in a positive way. Yeah. Right? Well, thank you. Yeah, that sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But that would actually if, if I would, that would be my legacy, my, my biggest dream for my legacy that I that I've moved people in a, in a way that they wanted to go for, not that I pushed them somewhere they didn't want to go. But that with their reflection, with the awareness, um, they said, yes, I'm going to go for that. And not the challenge, as we said, in hiring an organization, but this is what I want to do to become more effective as a human. Better version of themselves. Yes, better version of themselves. Totally different question. But you thought okay. it's the one coming up. If I would give you the possibility to dine with three people, uh, alive or dead, <laughs> or the opportunity to live in three time periods of choice, which yeah. ones would it be and why? 100%, 1000% the dinner. You're craving for that. I'm craving for dining out. No, but, but seriously, I... I, I love that question. It's such an, because sometimes you talk about who would you want to meet, but what I love about your question is that it, it defines in a way, like what would you aim for different timing? And, you know, you could go somewhere or three people. And for me, it was very clear apart from the dining, I want to meet up with people and I want to listen to their story. And uh, I even thought of the three people, if you want to know, because that would yeah, be yeah, very... Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. And why well, those I, three people, of course. And why those three people? Well, the more the merrier. That, But what, what is nice when you have a conversation with three is that you can learn from each other and you can ask questions, as we talked about before. So for me, there would be three people that I would really love to have on that dinner table. Uh, one being deceased, sadly, that would be Jim Henson. And he's the creator of The Muppets and many, many, many other shows. Now, it's not that I'm a very big Muppet fan, so to say, but the fact that he created this whole new world also with the movie Labyrinth and um, other movies as well, The Dark Crystal, for instance, he had, he had the capability of creating whole new worlds. But he also is the creator of Sesame Street, which is an educational program that started a very, very long time ago. And the fact that he took that concept and created everything i would love to hear how he did that how he figured that out and also how how wow how he is now so to say yeah and um i would also love to talk to uh, joe navarro who's also my mentor so a uh, fantastic writer he has written 14 books new book is coming up um on being exceptional it's called be exceptional 
and he's very inspirational. He has he has read so many books. He has so much knowledge. It's really unbelievable. And I'm very very fortunate that he uh, he's my mentor and he you know helps me to to gain more knowledge and to think about humans in a different way. Sometimes it's really really inspirational. And also, I would love to talk to Oprah Winfrey. So she has to be at the table as well. And a lot of people understand, you know, Oprah Winfrey, for me, she's she's fantastic. The journey she went through, um, the challenges she had and is still out there. It's fantastic. I would love to have her at the dining table. For the first one, I know it's not possible unless you go to yes. spiritual um, people that can talk with ghosts. But two are depending on your action, I would say. And it was awesome talking to you. Now, uh, I have to ask you to summarize everything that you have said. Oh, <laughs> way too much. And, we went No, no, no. I, I need your I need your two cents. What is your key takeaway for our listeners? I would love it if they take some more time to self-reflect on their behavior, not just the goals in life, because that's a broad question. It's really difficult, but just to reflect on themselves. If something is not working the way I want to, if I don't feel confident, if I have a difficult conversation, what is the behavior that I show? What is the behavior that the other people show? And if they, well, summarize, please, people, be more self-aware. <laughs> I think that's a beautiful uh, key takeaway. And I hope to read that in your book. When is it coming out? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. Work, work in progress. Work okay. in progress. We'll, just, we'll just have to wait for it. I thought maybe you want to share the title with it, but everything in time. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it was great talking to you. Thank you very much. Uh, and I wish you all the luck in your future end of wars business and everything that you want to do. Well, thank you doing. so much. Yeah. Keep on doing. That's all. that could also be the tagline. Keep on doing. Well, thank you so much. And again, it was a, a, yeah, I'm really honored that you would ask all these questions with all the lovely people you speak. And uh, thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you again. Talk to you. Bye bye. Thank you very much for listening, dear ladies and gentlemen. This was Anemarcha out. Next week, our guest and challenger of the status quo is Barbara Schouten, transformation empowerment coach for ambitious salines, sensitive leaders, and intuitive empaths. And here's a short part of our conversation. Yes, indeed. What you see is what you get. That's I'm very what you see is what you get. And especially when sharing things on LinkedIn, Facebook is a little bit more accepting of, of sharing authentic things but especially linkedin which is a more business network um it was frowned upon to to share things that was a tearjerker or that actually showed real honest emotion and are you curious about the rest of saskia's story tune in next week to learn all about her life journey but also about high sensitive persons how to recognize if you're one and what that means for you and the world around you for now this was challenging the status quo podcast season two with your host amir sabirovich stay safe and healthy and until next week ciao